Welcome to this episode of The Square. I'm here with David Rose of David Does Fame, and <laughs> we're going to be exploring, see what I did there, exploring a little bit about Nordic lighting and the trip you went on as part of the Corgan Explore, um, I guess, competition. Um, and so I think it's probably best just to kind of start there. I, I, I will say, spoiler alert, David did, well, how long was the video? 30 minutes? Yeah, it was about a 30, 31 minute. Yeah. So David did an incredible 30-ish minute video. We will put the link below. I don't want to rehash everything you did in the video, but I cannot highly enough recommend you go and watch it because it's it, you did an incredible job. And that's that's kind of what I want to talk about today is just a little bit about the story behind your story. And um, so to, to kind of set the stage, the Corgan Explore competition basically people get to submit uh, or, or do submissions to um, win the explore program and then they get money to go travel right exactly and so what kind of goes into those submissions so yeah there's a few uh, there's a few things that you have to include in the in the submission you have to include what where you're gonna go on your trip and why you want to go there what you're gonna study exactly and the study topic would need to relate to Corgan in some way. It has to be some benefit. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Either to the type of work that we do or maybe some research that's happening or a, a, an architectural interest that you have that Corgan could benefit from the knowledge that you gain. And then one of the other important items to include in the submission is how you are going to present back to Corgan. And that was a big, that was a big part of what you put emphasis on. Exactly. Right. And you actually lost the first time you submitted, right? It was brutal. Yes. <laughs> I was so upset with myself, but I thought, well, the submission I think still has relevance and it's something I'm still very much interested in. So a few years later when the Explorer application became available again, I just edited down my, my deliverable, made it more concise and I resubmitted it and I won. So full disclosure, not actually it may have been 2020, not in the last several years, but I've I've been one of the judges of the Corgan Explore process, and it was it was always interesting to get to read the different submissions because there's there's such a variety of how people want to go and delve into a certain architectural principle or whatnot. But the reason I was part of it, having zero architecture background is because the storytelling that happens at the end is so important. That's the whole reason the Explore you know, program exists. And so um, I, I just want to dive right in because I, I think as it, it felt like as important as the trip was to you, bringing the experience back to people was equally as important. Exactly. So I have to ask, is travel something that you've always enjoyed? Has it always been something that you kind of wanted to do? Or was it something that was um, a vehicle to be able to go and kind of study some of the Scandinavian architecture? I love traveling. My family and I did vacations every summer to national parks. So I was in elementary school going to middle of nowhere, Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing here? But... Back of the station wagon for hours on end. Yeah. <laughs> like, where are we going? We're going to go see rocks? I mean, what? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, from early on, I think just being able to go to these new places and, you know, take advantage of 
the beauty that is our planet and you know even within here in the states i mean there's there's so much to see so i've also done quite a bit of international travel and i think with that the big benefit is meeting so many different people that are very different from myself yeah and a lot of these individuals i still keep in contact with there's instagram friends from singapore that i'm still connected with and you know friends from study abroad in australia i mean there's like there's just places that I've been to or people that I've met that I'm still connected with. And I think that's the value of travel yeah. too, is meeting people and understanding how they are different from myself and, but learning from it. Yeah. That's awesome. So well, let's talk about the trip first. Why you, you kind of focused on the, um, the Nordic principles of daylighting. Is that right? Exactly. And so, um, where did you come across that? What, How'd you find that? Yeah. So how my my whole trip started was I've just always had an interest in this part of the world. And there's a few key connections for me. And one of them is innovative architecture. This part of the world, Scandinavia, has incredible architecture. And some of the best architects have come from these countries. Yeah. And so I knew that there, there were going to be great things to see there. And so then the next layer was, okay, what what exists there that... I could examine more closely that you don't see anywhere else or something that makes that the place unique. And what came to mind and what I, I, I've known about, but I formalized it in my application was specifically daylighting. And because this part of the world, this region is so far north of the equator, there's such a drastic difference in daylight between summer and winter. And so I thought, okay, well, I think there's an opportunity to look at how architecture can connect to daylight. And that's really how the entire strip, the entire trip developed. And then my next layer to all of this is developing what I called a Scandinavian scavenger hunt. Yeah. And finding examples of architecture across the three countries that I visited, but making it fun and an adventure and framing it in that way made it really exciting. And I couldn't wait to just jump into it. And that's where the the nine different kinds of principles of Nordic daylighting came from. Yes. I think Luke has a graphic of that that we can put up on the screen and show people. So was this something that you found or was this something that you created? So once I figured out my topic, Scandinavian daylighting, then I ordered a few books to learn more about it. I felt like I needed the research so that I had the knowledge before jumping in. Yeah going to this place. And so there was one book in particular by an author, Henry Plumer. And so I used his textbook as my guide. And so he curated these nine qualities of Nordic daylighting. I used his definitions as my framework and then refined his examples to fit something a little more in tune with what I was looking for. So, okay. So that's, that's kind of the principle of the trip, which I had even at, at that point, it shows how much work went into being able to win the, the prize. Right. This was not just, hey, you want some money to go on a vacation to Europe? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm curious where you, one of the things that I think stood out about your submission was, like I said, the idea of bringing it back to the firm, which the deliverable part of it is, is true every year. Like somebody that has to be a benefit to the firm. But you chose to, chose to do it in a YouTube video format. Yes. Why? 
I mean, I love video, but I'm just curious. Yeah, well, so do I. But I've I've always been a spectator and never the creator. Mm-hmm. And my background is in architecture and graphic design, and specifically the graphic design side. I thought this is a medium that I've touched on briefly, but never have really made a curated documentary, which is really right. what I made. Yeah. And I thought I I think this is I can I can do this. It's going to take a lot of a lot of training for me to get to the point where I knew I want I could be successful. But yeah. I thought I think this is the right avenue for me to learn how to how to do this, how to make how to create videos and do it well, but use this avenue for storytelling and communicating ideas in a way that I've never done before. I yeah. have never made a YouTube video before. And I thought, here's my chance. Yeah. Well, and what I loved about it was uh, oftentimes, um, and this is not to take away from anybody else that has, has won this prize and done the deliverable, but oftentimes what comes back is you're experiencing the project only through somebody giving a PowerPoint presentation on what their experience was or the principles that they learned. And, and they do a great job with it. But because you had the video, we were a, you were able to weave in very successfully, I might add, music and B-roll and effects and motion graphics and all of this to, to give you the experience that you were really on the journey with you. And I will say one of the things that stood out to me was one of the stuff that you left out. Like there was got to have been the temptation to be like, oh, you know, here's my hotel room. Like it's not this, it's not the story of your trip. It's the story of your journey through these nine principles. Like, I don't see what you're eating. I don't see, you know, where your hotels are. It's my cocktails. Those are important. <laughs> As any journey needs. Exactly. <laughs> but I love that you you kind of focused on this idea of these nine principles. Yeah. What, what was surprising to you about, like, was it more or less work than you thought it was going to be? It was more work than I <laughs> forecasted. But... In my development, and I mean, like I said, there there are YouTube channels that I have watched for years, and with this Explore trip, I went back to some of my favorite videos and extracted how they actually create the content, and I noticed that there are scenes that lead up to their destinations. Yeah. For example, if you're in a city, they are showing video of them on the bus, and then the sidewalk, and then you know, approaching the building and then they're, they have arrived. Yeah. This is, you know, you're at one place and then all of a sudden you jump to another spot. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're telling that story of getting to the place. And I thought, okay, that's what I need to also bring to this, this video that I'm creating. Yeah. You know, have bridge that the, the pathway or the moments that lead to the next place. Yeah. In regards to more work, I think for me, it was the video production yeah. took a lot longer than I expected. Yeah. But I think I also just wanted great quality work from the output of it. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to slap it all together last minute. I wanted this to be design focused and artfully curated. And so that just takes time. But did, was the, was the, you know, I, I recently, I, cause I don't get to, be on Premiere as much as I used to. And recently I had the opportunity to do it for a, a project we were doing. Premiere, Adobe, Premiere, Adobe, Premiere Pro, yeah. And what was that, I mean, because usually as an architect, your tools are Revit or SketchUp or, you know, designing tools. 
Um, what was that process like learning and, and literally editing a story? I'm sorry, I'm sure similar to how you think about it in design, but in a completely different medium. Yeah. So I had never used Adobe Premiere Pro before this whole project. And so I started back to YouTube to learn the basics. Yep. And there are so many YouTuber, YouTubers that have how-to videos on literally everything. Yeah. Anything you can think of. Yeah. <laughs> And so I searched for Premiere Pro and there were individuals that taught me the basic tools of the software. Right. And so then, and I won this Explore trip in May. And so I used June, July, August as training for myself. Mm -hmm. And I created um, a video that I made and David does wakeboarding with yes. test video. <laughs> and so my poor family had to deal with me learning how to use the footage on the boat and everything. But... You know, it was me practicing. Yeah. So anyway, I felt like I was in a good place where I, I had the, the tools and I knew my format. Yeah. And then as I went on my trip for uh, my Corgan Explorer topic, I felt like I had, I knew what I needed to accomplish and what I needed to capture. Yeah. I loved the David Does, you know, title. And it, it yeah. you know, you, you talked a bit about it a little bit in the lead up to showing the video in the forum. But you 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 had this branding element, which is something maybe not a lot of people realize is happening, but it is that's that is like quintessential to YouTubers, right? Is their influencer brand. And so you created this influencer brand, if you will, of David does, and it's flexible and it's catchy and it's kind of got layers to it. The what kind of process went into coming up with that? Well, the whole thing started from what I call my resume name. So my yeah. full name with my middle name is how I use my, it's on my website, it's on my, my portfolio. I've just had that logo type for years, probably a good 10 years or so. And when this whole trip came up, I thought, well, of course I have to brand the trip. Yeah. It has to have a visual identity unique to its own. And just from my own development and using the existing logo type that is my name I just reworked that to fit this this um, this trip yeah but and also and I love alliteration yeah <laughs> I find ways to make jokes that are alliteration in some way and then this idea David does just popped in my head and yeah I thought, okay I think this could work and yeah then, yeah like you mentioned the flexibility of it where potentially this could work for destinations like I'm using on my trip, Norway, yeah. Iceland, Denmark. But then it can also be implemented for things that are not travel. You know, David does wine. Yeah. David does cooking. I mean, there's opportunities to use this. I'm happy to come show with you on David Does Whiskey. I will definitely do that. Let's do that. We'll do right here <laughs> in the studio. Um there's a variety of footage and and again I, I won't uh I won't uh, give away too much but one of the things i thought you did really well was both the variety but the 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 drone footage and the drone footage i think is has been so key particularly for architecture because for hundreds of years people have experienced buildings primarily from the ground and the drone gives them the opportunity um to experience it up close more personal than a helicopter or a plane would right or aerial footage um, but in a way that you don't normally get to experience buildings, you see a lot more of what people hide on roofs, <laughs> well, that's true. but, but, um, I know from experience 
Flying drone in foreign countries can can be a dicey experience. Yeah. Uh, did you, or, or at the very least, gather onlookers? Did you have any kind of uh, sketchy moments where you're like, boy, I really hope I get that drone back? <laughs> so yeah, there were there were a few moments in particular. So I know in Oslo, my friend and I took my drone to one of the public parks, mm-hmm. and I sent it up and got some great aerial shots of the city and of the park itself. But it was incredibly windy that day. Yep. And I lost connection with it for a split second and I, I freaked out. That's a bit of a freak out moment for any pilot. Yeah. <laughs> so thankfully it reconnected and I was able to bring it back. But I did some drone research in these cities before I traveled. Yeah. And a lot of these places have strict drone laws where you cannot fly drones within like 50 meters of any building facade or, you know, within certain city limits. Or I I think it was Copenhagen that I'd have to apply for a permit. Yep. And that takes weeks. And I thought, okay, this, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, So in those situations, I just didn't fly my drone because I didn't want to risk getting arrested in a foreign country. But uh, I don't know, the Scandinavian jails may be really nice. (laughs) Beautiful furniture in there. Does the Cork and Explore program cover bail money? (laughs) We'll have to ask legal. Yeah, maybe it's in the fine print. (laughs) Well, so the um, I love hearing about the creation of the video, but I do want to talk just a little bit about the trip. I I um, probably one of my favorite places that you visited that I loved and connected with was the Oslo airport. And coincidentally enough, it's this idea, you used it to represent the idea of journey. Tell me a little bit about being in that that architecture design and experiencing it while actually on the journey. Yeah. Well, so the Oslo airport was one of the destinations that I had researched before. So I knew it was on my list and I, I needed to capture that place. Yeah. And, um, the approach as you enter the, the airport from street level, you first have to go up an escalator onto the public plaza of the airport, which yeah. is where this canopy, this checkerboard canopy exists. Yeah. And so there's so much movement in that space and people going and coming and security and there's there's a lot of chaos yeah. happening at eye level. And so the moment you look up and you see so much natural light coming in and then the beautiful array of, you know, uh, wooden beams and then the structural columns and the pattern. I mean, it, it's, it is a peaceful place considering the hectic, the amount of stress that goes into travel normally. Exactly. Yeah. And specifically with journey, there's a connection of how light can propel movement yeah. in people. And so I felt like that location exemplifies journey so well. Yeah. And it's a beautiful place. So you said that there were places you researched ahead of time, obviously. Were there ones that were surprises along the way? There were. And we'll stick to Oslo because I felt like Oslo, Norway was a gem of great architecture that some I knew about, but others I completely discovered. And there's one place in particular, the Oslo um, City Hall, Mm -hmm. which captures the, the definition of carving. But that one, my friend and I stumbled upon. We were walking down the main like thoroughfare along the Oslo Bay, and then I saw this monumental piece of architecture, and I thought, let's just go in here. And I saw on Google Maps that it was the City Hall, and 
I feel like a part of my, this was something that I reflected on afterwards, but a lot of the places I looked at were culturally relevant to the place. And I thought if, if local architects are going to put emphasis on beautiful architecture, it's going to be these places that really are meaningful to the city or the country. Mm -hmm. And so the city hall is a great example of that. And the artwork in there was beautiful. I mean, everything had purpose and functionality to it, but in terms of the daylighting component, which of course, which is what I was looking at, yeah, um, it was incredible. And so many of the spaces had nat just tons of natural light coming in, but this notion of carving with the the main um, chucks, the this notion of carving with the main lobby space mm -hmm. and the clear story windows coming through, it was spectacular. I loved, I, you know, I was surprised when when I saw the. Um, I think it was in Iceland, the church that was finished in 89. I was okay. shocked when you were like, yep, and this church was finished in 1989 because it looks, it it has, again, an art, un, uh, not an architect, <laughs> but it has such a, uh, almost a timeless, but just really cool design feel to it that feels like it could have been done in the last 10 years. And it was done, you know, almost 50 years ago. Yeah. That's the church, uh, church of Seltjanarnes. Yes. And, um, Iceland has incredible examples of religious architecture. Mm -hmm. And this one in particular, I felt was such a showstopper. Yeah. And I had looked it up before. This was another location that I knew about in my research. So I definitely wanted to see it in person. Yeah. And yeah, we're looking at it on the screen. I mean, it's just, it is a, a such a cool place. And I mean, the roof structure is yeah. a definitive quality of the building. Yeah. But then... Once you arrive inside and then take in that natural glow of the diffused light within the space, yeah, it's amazing. And and there, w my friend and I went on a Sunday, so church was happening, and we walked into the the lobby space, and the the manager or the director of the building approached us, and he said, um, "Are you all here for church? Yeah, <laughs> you're a little late." <laughs> no, no, no. We're like just looking at the at the architecture. We're here. Yeah. Take some photos. And he said, okay, yeah, no problem. It'll be over in a few minutes, and then you can go right in. And I thought, excellent. So I got to capture all the, sh the footage I needed and got to experience it, too. Really nice. I have to imagine uh, being in the presence of this architecture up close and personal in some ways, um, it, it, is, it, it has a huge impact. But even more so, being there in the context of the culture has to have had an impact as well. I think so. And one thing that comes to mind, Brandon, is in Copenhagen, bike culture mm -hmm. is so important. Everybody bikes and that is their primary mode of transportation. And so when we were in Copenhagen, we biked everywhere. And outside of these places, the bike parking mm -hmm. dominates yeah. more than the car parking. And it's just, it's fun to be in this place where I did exactly like the locals do and connecting to the cultural component of these places as a part of this explore trip is equally as important. You got to see your topic and ex and research that, but also experience what what's important to to the place. Yeah. I have to believe in a world that is going increasingly hybrid and there's a lot of benefits to it. I'm not knocking it, but 
you know, there's Matterport, there's VR, there's XR, there's ways to experience literally probably anywhere in the world from the comfort of your own home. But that's still going to be a limited experience. It's still not going to compare to traveling there. Yeah. Is there something that stands out from you on the trip that was like, I, I just, I could not have experienced this without being here? Well, I think there there were a few locations, a few of these sites that I have always wanted to see in person. And I've seen them so many times through photography or through, you know, like um, through online research. But there was one site in particular, the Oslo Opera House, designed by Snohetta. This is one that I knew I wanted to see firsthand. And you actually took in a show, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, my friend and I saw a it was basically a Broadway show that they had in the in the actual opera house. But with this project site in particular, there is such an importance on experiencing the exterior promenade, which is the public space. And the building is designed in a way where individuals can walk up the the sloping ramp and then be on top of the roof of the building. And so the entire building is the public space. And I keep thinking, if I was just seeing this online, you know, through your computer, and you're missing that experience of the heavy breathing walking up the ramp, or, you know, like the the frigid temperatures of Norway. Yeah. That all adds to the experience of the architecture. Yeah. And feeling the texture of the stone, I mean... There's there's so much that you, there's so much value in seeing it firsthand than you ever could, you know, yeah. through online mediums. You have mentioned a couple of times uh, the the we part of the trip. You had a friend with you. What was it like experiencing that with a companion versus doing it alone? Well, yeah, I think my big takeaway from this, and I have told my friend about this, that I think having him with me, I did so much more. There was one moment in particular where for our evening activities, we would go and eat dinner and then lots of times we would bounce around and go see more sites or go check out a cool bar. And I felt like if I was by myself, maybe I would have done that, but I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. I would have gone back to my hotel room and done video editing probably. (laughs) But, you know, just having someone there to also to help with the production side of my... Uh, video collection sure and pretty much i mean everything in the most of what is in the movie is my own footage but he did add some like some third person shots of me that ended up being really funny um but yeah and then in some of our driving scenes i was driving and he was capturing that yeah. so i knew i could not have done that myself that was not legally yeah not legally <laughs> So, yeah, having a friend there really made a big difference and benefited the trip in a very positive way. Probably the coolest um, uh, uh, experience that I wanted to go and do was, I, I don't know, it's a tie. I'll give you both of them. One was the um, the ski slope that Big does. Oh, yes. On the backside of the, it, it wasn't a power plant. It was. It, it was. It was a power plant. Yeah. Okay. Coke got Hill. it. Yep. And, and. But people were skiing on it when it's grassy. Yes. So were they? I'm guessing they were using special skis of some sort. So you know, I don't know. I, I didn't see the skis up close. Uh huh. But the terrain, the actual slope, is 
I think it's artificial turf, and then they have grass that grows in between. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, there it is. It is Those actually look like regular skis. I They must be. But, and I think the slope is That's so cool. Enough to, That's a great drone shot, by the way. So, yeah. So, but this place was really cool. It's it's a functioning power plant. Yeah. And then Bjark Engels, the architect that designed it, added the additional programmatic element of a ski slope. Yeah. And I think it helps to encourage interaction with the building. So it's not this ugly eyesore on the skyline. Instead, it's a fun place yeah. that people can gather and, you know, encourages exercise. And I want to be in that pitch that, where he was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a ski slope year-round on the backside of this power plant. Get ready for this. I'm <laughs> I'm adding something really crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. Then the other thing that I thought was super cool, and, yeah. you know, I'm not calling you out because I don't know that I could have done it either. I, I think I know where you're going. But the uh, the floating sauna seems yeah. super cool. And then uh, I can imagine the temperature shift of trying to get into that water. <laughs> right. It, so... Part of Norwegian culture is ice baths yeah, and like the polar plunge. And so many individuals do it all over the country. And I, f- I looked up this floating sauna online and I thought, okay, I have to do this. Yeah, 100%. And so I booked it online and we had, we had two hours for the floating sauna and it was literally a floating barge with a sauna component and then a changing room, and then basically a diving board. And it was maybe like 40 degrees, 50 degrees outside, but the waters were, I mean, probably closer to freezing. And I only went knee deep, and I really should have just jumped because <laughs> at, after after my quick dip, yeah. I went into the sauna and I mean, my calves felt fantastic. <laughs> so there's some, those were the only ones in the water. Yeah. But... Like that's all that benefited from it. But I mean, there's so many health benefits to yeah. doing the, that drastic temperature change. And so, I mean, I should have just done it, but <laughs> I was, I don't know. You, you said it, again, spoiler, you said you were like 150 degrees and then you go to this and that water can't be much more than like 40 or 50 degrees. I know. I mean, <laughs> Uh, okay, next time I'm gonna you're gonna go full plunge. Yeah, jump off exactly. Um, well, I have to ask. You know, I, I, and I think uh, I'll give credit to Gabe for the way that he phrased it. But I'm curious, what will David does do next? <laughs> well, I I think the value of the brand David does is that it is very flexible. Yeah. So. There's a few thoughts that I've had, and I, just in the few months after my trip, I've been exercising that brand name yeah. a bit, and um, you know, I'm I'm documenting a lot of the trips that I've been doing within the states, and I did I did David does Vegas recently, that was really fun, <laughs> and then yeah, I did this in this strange fashion exercise where I wanted to try monochromatic looks. Mm-hmm. And so every day for five days, I had the different look. And so I had ended up, ended up with a video of David does fashion, which I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's going anywhere, but that was really fun. So I, Paris week. <laughs> yeah. Like here, here I come, but I don't know. I mean, there's, I feel like there's a lot of avenues. Yeah. And right now, I mean, the one that I'm really interested in 
and and I talked about this in the my forum presentation, but David does wine, I think would be really fun where yeah. maybe travel to, you know, Northern California and bounce around to different wineries. Maybe I could do something a little more uh, regional and do the Texas wineries yeah. in the hill country outside Austin. You know, doing something like that, I think would be really fun. Um, I'm sure the video quality would, would decrease as the, the footage is captured. Yeah. <laughs> the more wine I consume. But that'll just all be part of the story. Yeah. Why not? So in terms of a topic a little more intellectual, yeah. there's another another study that I've been interested in is to go to Japan. Mm. And it's almost another explore topic. Yeah. But to go to Japan and study their culture there is so visual. Anime and even their own language is is built with icons and iconography. And I'd love to study that from a signage perspective and huh. how buildings take advantage of such a visual language that is Japanese, but then how it's a cultural topic. Too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I feel like there's something there. I haven't really formulated it, but I might be going to Japan soon. I'd have, oh, no. I have no doubt you'll have ample volunteers to, to go along with to you come with and help yeah. camera. Yeah. Um, David, thank you so much for sharing kind of the story behind the video with us. I highly, highly, highly encourage you. Click on some of the links below. We'll have David's um, YouTube channel as well as specifically the video uh, that he presented here as part of his Corgan Explore Deliverable. And make sure to check out the square next time. Cool.